I V M. Have you ever wondered why women don't do more crime? Well, we're here to tell you. There's misconduct all the time. Women are thieves and murderers. That's gross misconduct. Con artists, money launderers. Mm, criminal misconduct. Financial fraud that's hard to track. Take some planning, but still misconduct. Even breaching a contract. Well, that's more civil, though. It's misconduct. Misconduct. We tell you all about women that suck. Things that make you say, "What the?" It's misconduct. Hello, 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 and welcome to Misconduct. We are a podcast about Indian women that did some horrible, horrible stuff, crimes, unethical things, casual extortion, decoity, just the wide range of awful things. My name is Raghavi, and I am Nisha. And on today's episode, we will be talking about drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. Indrani Mukherjee. <laughs> so, she's a woman who co-founded a thriving media empire in India, spanning news, TV, music, and many more genres. Uh, only to have it all come crashing on her, Indrani's mm. company was investigated for a series of controversies from 2009 onwards. Indrani and her husband Peter were accused of fraud, money laundering, and violations of foreign investment laws. Mm. And very, very soon. she was forced to shut shop so i know what you're all thinking and let's just address the elephant in the room okay mm-hmm. yes we are going to be talking about a woman that committed financial crimes Woo! finally aren't you excited i <laughs> am excited? so so hella excited mm-hmm. like it's literally in the theme song financial fraud that's hard to track it's, it and we're doing is. it we're doing it and it's also hard to track as yes. you'll see in the episode <laughs> yeah there's there's nothing quite like violating multiple financial regulations that just mm. just gets my heart rate pumping you know yep, like, yep, yep. and i'm also particularly excited about this episode because it involves my playground of choice we are going to be mm. talking about the media and broadcasting industry so Also uh this episode is our first two parter episode <laughs> so we will be covering a part of Indrani's doings and shenanigans today and trust us there really is that much to cover so we can guarantee you won't be bored so to speak <laughs> yes and uh, this episode will have will will not really have super horrific descriptions of crime but mm-hmm. we are going to spend the next hour murdering some numbers because <laughs> neither ragavi nor i are particularly good at understanding really complex financial statements mm. uh but we're going to try and simplify as much as we can this podcast is not meant for children so listener discretion is advised indeed all right cool so let's get started so let's start this episode with a little bit of back story about our girl indrani mm-hmm. so indrani was actually born as pori bora on 22nd november 1972 This puts her roughly at around forty-eight years of age today. Uh, her parents, Upendra Kumar Bora and Durga Rani Bora, were largely middle-class folks residing in Guwahati, that's the northeastern uh, Indian state of Assam. Mm-hmm. Um, as Pori Bora, she had a quiet upbringing. She attended the prestigious Saint Mary's English High School as a kid in Guwahati, mm-hmm. and she also got herself a degree in 
the uh, from the uh, Lady Keen College in Shillong. Right. So um, we actually have no idea what degree she got specifically. Mm. Um, we looked this up and we understand that a lot of journalists reached out to Lady Keen College to ask about Indrani, mm. but the college reps just refused to respond. So. Yep. Yep. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Um, in 1986, she was either married to or in a relationship with Siddharth Das, with whom she had two children named Mikhail and Sheena Bora. This marriage or relationship ended in 1989. Mm-hmm. In 93, she married Sanjeev Khanna. They had a daughter, Vidhi Khanna. This marriage too ended sometime in about 2002. In 96 is when she moved to Kolkata to start her HR consultancy firm. The firm was actually called INX Services Private Limited. and she seemed to be doing very well for herself in kolkata she had about 10 employees in the office and she managed the team quite efficiently one of her biggest clients was reliance industries which i mean good for her <laughs> she also started inx executive search it's a hr firm focusing specifically on headhunting for executive position so needless to say this brought her a ton of money oh yeah so much money that even neera radia worked on public policy outreach on her behalf So, yeah, um, a lot of Indrani's friends and colleagues have come out to talk about her. Um, an India Today article from 2015 about her early life paints her as someone who kind of loves social climbing, and you know she does it quite deftly and quite quickly. She kind of reminded me of Ruxana when I read that. Yes, uh, about, same. Right? Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> Uh, according to one HR senior executive, she had a reputation of being mindlessly ambitious. Mm. which i get like again ruksana ish um mm-hmm. another hr consultant said that she didn't like parties or soirees which i guess is not ruksana ish so but <laughs> this is this is like a quote from that particular uh, what this consultant said was prefer to hang out in corporate offices gatherings of rich marwari girls and with the wives of ias officers <laughs> how that description is so right? specific <laughs> like it's like Is this person? Is this HR consultant that like you know snitched out just Indrani because it's so specific, <laughs> right? And actually, okay, uh, just before we sort of get into this any further, we actually don't know how much of this character breakdown of hers is actually really true mm. because mm. Uh, when you when you get to the stuff that we talk about later, she sort of gets pushed into the limelight, you know, mm. um, and it's you know how these things are when they get sensationalized. Yeah. Yeah. it's very very possible a lot of this information is coming out because you know people just want to take advantage of her being mm-hmm. in the limelight just get a few 15 minutes of their own time out there so please take all of this with a pinch of salt um these are not in any legal documentation yeah. for us to say yes it's verified it's there in multiple <laughs> newspapers but the newspapers are like oh someone senior executive said yeah so pinch of salt please yes. take it as it comes yeah yes yes agreed So uh, by 2002 she had moved on to her name Indrani mm-hmm. and in this year is when she met Peter Mukherjee they were actually introduced by a common friend mm-hmm. I mean I wish I had a friend who would introduce me to someone amazing that I would go on to marry just saying oh, no. hint all friends please <laughs> yes Nisha's friends <laughs> listen to her <laughs> Um so anyway at that time Peter was the CEO of Star India a post that he would hold until 2007 Peter was actually a really big name at that time he was considered the most successful TV executive in the country in fact mm. he was hand picked by Rupert Murdoch who at the time was the head of this teeny tiny network of american tv and film companies called Fox i don't mm. know if you've heard of it yes it's, <laughs> it's so small it's so small. indie 
and food delivery and yes. a, a job. <laughs> I have a job yeah. true, <laughs> because true. of foreign funding. Um, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's also the reason we have cement and construction and medicine. Medicine. Mm, yeah. And uh, news, yeah, actually. And, yeah. And, and, and fuel and yes. food products and video games, you know, just, it's yeah. nuts. Not like PUBG though. <laughs> or TikTok, oh. thank God. I mean, hey. that's, that's a blessing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you spend like four hours a day on reels on Instagram. Yeah, but so, like... Fair, fine. <laughs> but yeah, PUBG, I'll miss... I'll, I do miss PUBG quite a bit. That was quite addictive mm. while it lasted. I mm. suppose. So on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a lot of context setting. Welcome back from the break. Um, and now that we're on the topic of foreign funding, as Nisha mentioned, it is time for context dump. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> I'm sorry for the context dump. It's necessary. You won't get this otherwise. So let's I just love jump context right dump. I don't know why you're apologizing for it. I don't know. Just it's not the fun stuff. So. Yeah, but it's still it's important. And I love when you do it. Go for it, Raghavi. Stop it, girl. Okay, I will. So foreign investments. Foreign investments are a very, very highly regulated space in India. And by that, I mean that the Indian government has put out really detailed policy documents Mm -hmm. and they put them out periodically just to regulate exactly how much foreign investment is allowed Mm -hmm. in, you know, different sectors and industries across the country. Mm -hmm. In India, it's called Foreign Direct Investment or FDI. And under the Indian Ministry of Commerce and Industry, there is this teeny little peculiar body. It's called the Department for Promotion of Industry and Internal Trade. Or the DPIIT. DIPIT. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) DIPIT. Now the DIPIT, it puts out a document every few years. Uh, It's called the Foreign Direct Investment Policy or the FDI Mm -hmm. Policy. That is literally the document that says, listen, this is how much money you can put into a company from this particular industry. Hmm. Uh, from outside, of course. This is regulate internal, um, hmm, hmm, hmm. you know, like investments. So the idea behind the FDI policy is essentially threefold. Hmm. First one, it's to encourage foreign investment in certain sectors in India. So areas that they think don't have enough investment, uh, hmm. they'll give it some sort of incentive for people to invest in. Hmm. Two, hmm. it's to protect Indian industries by ensuring that they are not taken over like entirely by foreign investors. Mm, And mm. it's also to promote a certain extent of local funding opportunities as well. You know, Mm. Uh, there is a lot of, at least in terms of security and stuff like that, there is a lot to be said about industries that stay within India. Mm. Um, And that's, that's a large in part to promote that. And lastly, there are some industries that the government will never want in the hands of foreign investors. Mm, mm. Um, And these include things like uh, defense, Atomic energy, uh, real estate, telecom to a certain extent, you know, where Mm. foreign investment can mean like extremely sensitive and critical industries Mm. end up outside the hands of the Indian government. Just imagine if your daily electricity (laughs) or, you know, like your phone was Mm. controlled by someone not within India. Yeah. That would be a little stressful for the government, right? So Quite stressful for regular people also. So the government handles this in a few specific ways. Mm. Uh, There are some industries, like the critical ones that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. right? Defense, atomic energy, blah, blah. Mm. They will never get foreign funding. It's just Mm -hmm. not permitted. It's Mm. like outright, no, 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 not happening. Sounds fair. Yes, I am on board with that. 
there are some industries like the IT sector, for example, mm. that are given basically like the ability to invest 100% foreign funding okay. um, without any intervention by the Indian government. So huh. this explains mm. why there are so many Indian tech startups that get like, you know, all this funding with mm. no real opposition or issues. Yeah. It's just cash in flux till they choke on it. Yeah. Then there are some industries uh, which you can get up to a certain percentage of foreign funding, hmm. but you need to get approval from the Indian government for this. Okay. Hmm. And hmm. one such industry is, you guessed it, broadcasting content services. <laughs> How could anyone have possibly guessed that specific industry? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe somebody who just Googled Indrani Mukherjee really quickly in the last 10 minutes might have guessed it. Um, <laughs> Don't, don't, don't harsh my buzz, Nisha. <laughs> so um, back in 2010, mm. the broadcasting content services industry, um, it permitted up to 26% foreign funding, you mm. know, in any companies mm. that, that were in that business. Mm. But the thing is, it's not a free movement of funds, right? So okay. obviously you have to get government approval to get these funds in. Mm. So in case you want to bring in money for your sector or even generally you want to bring in more than what that cap is, hmm. you will have to get government approval for that like hmm. in general. So hmm. this also, by the way, applies if you have subsidiary companies under a main company. Okay. So if you have one company that gets the foreign funding, but under that you have like subsidiary or, you know, baby companies, <laughs> um, you would have to comply with the FDI policy restrictions regardless because it sort of just flows down, right? right. This hmm. is called downstream investments. Okay. Please remember this. You will not. It just is important later. That's yes. all. So that basically means that if you don't get government approval beforehand for certain kinds of FDI hmm. um, and you decide to get an investment into, say, your media or news channel, mm-hmm. well, you messed up. That is a violation of the FDI policy. And there is some penalty for that? Yes, Nisha. I am so glad you asked this very not scripted question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> so dude, the uh, the penalty is quite high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be liable up to three times the amount in question. That's the pen. Mm. That's the fine you will have to pay. Yeah. So, uh, let's do numbers. If you want to get an investment of one million rupees into your company and you mm. fail to get the approvals beforehand, your fine can go up to three million rupees. Whoa! Yeah. Also, also, wait. It gets worse. This punishment is not just for the company; it's for mm. anyone in charge of the company. What? Like. Like a CEO or a chairman of the group mm. of the companies. Basically, if you're in any decision-making capacity, yeah, you are also screwed. Damn. No, no, wait. There's more. Um, oh, the, wow. Hold on. What, what is this? <laughs> hold on to your dams. There's just it's a lot <laughs> coming. You can also get an additional penalty imposed if you really messed up. Okay. And that's discretionary. Mm. Uh, it really depends on the circumstances of the cases. Okay. But the most important part of all of this is mm. you cannot keep the money that you brought in. You hey, have to what? give it up. <laughs> so if you're thinking, hey, I really need this like 1 million cash influx right now. Mm. And okay, I'll take the risk. It's fine. Nobody. <laughs> you have to return that extra, that 1 million you took initially. Great. The government will confiscate that. And after the government will be like, listen, you pay an extra 3 million also wow. in fines. Yeah. <laughs> so you're left with no money and you're penalized three times the original amount. Wonderful. Yes. Also, they will take your firstborn child. Oh, great. It's, it's in the regulations. <laughs> Fema says it. It's like, listen, first child, gender irrelevant. Gimme. <laughs> so, I think uh, 
like something that we've been saying across all episodes and i think we should just repeat it now don't be shady no <laughs> don't that's great advice yeah cuz like the government is not playing with these investment violations you just cannot mess with these rules mm-hmm. and one thing you have to remember is the fdi policy is interpreted very strictly okay basically like all of the other laws will say hey we will criminalize some things but if something is not specifically illegal then maybe you can do it mm-hmm. like like in the ipc it says like don't do these things or you will go to jail but the fdi policy is a bit different it essentially says unless the government says that something is permitted you should just presume that it's not permitted yeah. just don't yeah. do anything that's yeah. correct and do honestly these rules are quite difficult and hard to comprehend okay mm-hmm. i'm not saying that it's easy to grasp this what i've given you right now is such a bastardization of yeah. what these laws are um i've really just made it as crisp as possible so it just mm-hmm. doesn't fly past your soft little brains um <laughs> and also interpreting the fdi policy and foreign like the foreign exchange management regulations these are the kind of things that lawyers and bankers have made entire careers out of mm. out of just interpreting a tiny part of the fti policy yeah. and working with the indian government to get approvals for their mm. clients you mm. know but yes like you said if you mess up you are absolutely screwed that's yeah. just how these regulations are framed also mm. i just want to take a quick minute to air out my grievances about the fti policy and fema in general <laughs> so I was not a corporate lawyer for too long okay maybe mm. like 5 years tops and I've lived a long long life loads of problems and struggles and memories and what not mm. yet the one thing in my life that has given me as much grief and pain <laughs> nothing has given me that much grief and pain as interpreting the goddamn FDI policy <laughs> and FEMA and I can I can confidently say that I've been scarred for life uh. good oh, good man. job well done thanks yeah, i just needed to get that <laughs> do you out, feel you better I mean? do you feel yes no yes. not at all okay <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have all of that context let's spend some time on inx media's funding sources mm-hmm. so inx media group got its funding from a number of places in 2008 indrani and peter together held about 45% stake in inx media mm-hmm. there were also like multiple private equity investors Uh, from outside india temasek which is a singapore government based investor held about 20% you may yep. have heard of temasek because they have invested in every single app that you probably use <laughs> yeah that's true another private equity fund was named new silk route they also mm-hmm. held about 20% this is a mauritius company remember this one it is very relevant later on Mm. um two other investors which were kotak mahindra and new vernon private equity held about 10% together uh, new vernon is also a mauritius company mm-hmm. remember this <laughs> so uh, essentially about 50% of the company was in the hands of investors outside of just indrani and peter mm-hmm. but indrani and peter still made all of the management decisions even if the shareholding was held by foreign parties But of course we are painting a very rosy picture uh of all of the generous funding in uh 2000 because all of it comes in 2008. Yep. Before that was 2007. That was the <gasps> year when <laughs> 2007 the year before 2008. <laughs> so that was the year when INX Media was kind of strapped for cash. Um mm-hmm. a little after it was incorporated INX Media desperately needed a cash influx. because man the broadcasting industry is not 
cheap. You need mm-hmm. sources. You need talent, airtime, TRP, advertising, marketing, licensing, legal. It's just way too many things just to stay afloat, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of spends to be made. And you can see all these listed in the INX media annual returns uh, yeah. as well. The company was bleeding money faster than it was putting in cash. So mm-hmm. Indrani and Peter spoke with some investors to raise funds. Mauritius investors, to be precise. Ooh, you said Ooh. the thing that you asked us to remember earlier. <laughs> yes. <Ooh. laughs> uh, but, but like we said before, foreign funding into TV broadcasting sector is allowed, but it needs... Uh, government approval before the money can come in. Right. So Indrani marched her way down to Delhi to the Foreign mm-hmm. Investment Promotion Board or the FIPB. Mm-hmm. The FIPB is the government agency that handles uh, FDI related compliances and mm-hmm. is the one that gave approvals to companies that wanted to bring in foreign funding. Right. So Indrani and Peter told the FIPB that they wanted to issue equity shares to three non-resident shareholders based out of Mauritius. This was about 46.2 million rupees in investment at that time, uh, Mm -hmm. accounting for 46% of their share capital. So they also intended on passing some of the money to their subsidiary companies, that is downstream investments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, their application to the FIPB said that they want to make a downstream financial investment to the extent of 26% of the issued and outstanding equity share capital of INX News Private Limited, a subsidiary of INX Media. Mm-hmm. So, two things. One, bring money amounting to 46.2 million rupees into INX Media. Mm-hmm. And two, send some of that money down to subsidiary company of INX Media called INX News. So, at this time, the finance minister for the central government was P. Chidambaram. Mm-hmm. P. Chidambaram was an extremely influential and powerful leader of the Congress government. Yeah, he was um, also Home Minister for a while, if I'm not wrong. Yes, talking. yes, he was. Yep. So yep. Yep. basically, he was entrusted with a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Finance Minister, he was effectively the last of the decision makers for any of these major financial policy decisions, such as foreign investment. Mm. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> Uh, in any case, the FIPB got the Mukherjee's application and they said, yeah, okay, sure, you can do the investment, but you cannot do the downstream investment. So the money has to be used by the parent company, which is INX Media. The money cannot be used for INX News. Hmm. And then Indrani and Peter were like, okay. So they got the approval and they didn't want to poke the dragon any further. So they just took the approval and got their funding. Cool. I mean, rolling with it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Now, things after this were super jolly for Indrani. There's money coming in. So, in August 2008, various papers reported that INX Media was raising an additional $150 million. This would have been about 5.5 billion rupees at the time, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So That's nuts. Yeah. Indrani yeah. was quoted as saying that she plans to launch 11 new channels aside from mm-hmm. the current general entertainment channel and music channel that was already live and thriving. So you could see like her ambition coming through. She's got the money. She's got the power. Right. Basically, things are just going swimmingly for her. Great. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So in uh, November 2008, Indrani was also listed on the Wall Street Journal's 50 Women to Watch in 2008 feature which is Mm. super cool. Uh, She was making so much money that it was reported that she had about 
2.5 billion rupees worth of properties in her name around 2008-2009. This is not accounting for any liquidated assets uh, she may have had at the time. Right, right, right. Uh, and INX News became a big channel for a while and they pulled in a lot of major talent from the journalism space. And mm-hmm. INX Music Channel also launched in the UK in August 2008. They were just growing like crazy. Yeah, they. you know what? Actually, I remember the INX channels. Do you? Because like, dude, I used to watch 9XM all oh, yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you may have been in Dubai still then. I was in Bombay. And it was really pushed out in Bombay quite a bit. And I don't know how they managed it, okay? Because, dude, they had the music videos for literally every song (laughs) ever. Like, uh, well, now I think about it, almost like as if they had a ton of money to pay (laughs) off labels and production houses. Hmm. (laughs) Indubitably. (laughs) Yeah, and, and like, just to set some you know, context, I guess. Indrani got all of this power and press and appreciation at 36 years of age. Damn. Which is insane. Yeah. So, also when I read this, um, I I wanted to prove that <laughs> Indrani was the only woman who managed a position like this. I wanted mm-hmm. to be like, hey, the media space is filled with men in management and women are sidelined. Mm. Indrani is a visionary. So yeah. I was like, aha, Google this. Yes. <laughs> and I was so convinced that I was right. And then, and then as the Bangaloreans like to say, I got a big bun in my face. <laughs> Dude, it was not any bun. You got a damn cream bun in your face. Okay, like a South Indian roadside bakery cream yes. bun with like pineapple filling. That's what landed in your face. But please proceed. Let the world know. Let the world know about this. So it turns out that the media space is actually quite uh, like filled with women and management Mm -hmm. positions. Uh, Around this time, HT India was managed by Shobhna Bharatiya. She was about 49 years old when she took up the role. And the thing is, she inherited it from her father. That's KK Birla. So I was like, aha, that's why. <laughs> and then, and then like Radhika Roy founded NDTV. She was also 49, but she, oh. she came from like a solid journalism background. So I was like, aha, that's why. <laughs> Loser. More recently, <laughs> more recently, Kavya Maran took over Sun Networks. Mm-hmm. Again, that's also like inheritance. And I clearly am losing this argument. Yeah, you're really stretching this. Yeah. <laughs> but but I got super excited when I realized mm-hmm. that Vineet Jain, a man, yes, is headed Times Group. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> it was his mother, Indu Jain, who was the chairperson for Times Group. Disgusting. So, yeah. <laughs> but but if it helps, uh, there is some male representation. Uh, Subhash Chandra uh-huh. manages Z and uh, Rajat Sharma manages India TV. And then I just... Wow. That's so impressive. That. Look at that. <laughs> Diversity in every form. Hashtag not all networks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's on the fly. Um, but yes, while we celebrate Indrani's victories, hmm. we should always remember... Sometimes good things have to happen before bad things can happen. What? Is, is that a real saying? No, it's not. I made it up. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ooh, we should make one of those like anti-motivational cat posters and then we can sell it as much. Yeah. So, 
yeah yeah so if dear listeners if you would like to purchase one or <laughs> gift it to a friend you no longer like please dm us on instagram <laughs> yeah please hashtag buy the merch we don't have <laughs> so yeah okay some some weird things were brewing in mm. inx media for a while all this great stuff was happening you know in 2008 everybody was like yeah bring in the money make it rain um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in 2007 mm. indrani got into a bit of a conflict with veer sangvi so veer sangvi is a pretty famous journalist yep. and in part her business partner they were basically wrestling for control of inx creative decisions and management stuff hmm. so veer sangvi would go on to resign from his position in january 2008 uh some sort of a private arrangement was reached is what we know we don't know the terms of this arrangement though i mean unfortunately yeah but if anyone has like insider information please please hit us up yeah uh we promise not to tell anyone he 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 yeah it was super convincing <laughs> so uh later that same month in january indrani would kind of lose it okay she would mm. fire five journalists that were working with inx media Hmm. uh no explanations were given to them it was pretty much an immediate like effect it was like right now you're terminated get the hell out mm-hmm. um the, this included some very important people like the executive editor um the head of domestic news and a news anchor who was really popular at the time hmm. so of course the rest of the staff was pissed off at all yep. of this uh they considered it a huge breach of the company's mm, ethical mm. and contractual obligations right uh, so the next day in protest nine other journalists resigned Oof. so i think indrani at least from what i read about from the you know about her from that time it doesn't mm. really look like she predicted this kind of media backlash right. there was a bit of media backlash mm-hmm. minimal but it was there But hmm. the bigger backlash of course was from her actual employees right yeah uh, many of the journalists that were initially fired they hmm. ended up filing unfair dismissal lawsuits against the company oh damn um they were successful one of them even received a compensation of uh, 20 million rupees in back pay oh, okay. uh hmm. at the time this was a huge scandal because i mean when i say scandal i mean it's hmm. it was it was just like outrage so to speak yeah yeah because the journalist community came to sort of support each other hmm. but it was a very more like a momentary flash it yeah. like it's not like you know how more recently especially through covid and stuff the journalist community really have been like guys oh come goodness. on you you don't have to tell me like when cuz i deal with media and journalists on a daily mm-hmm. basis it's just it's hard sometimes when we have to get in touch with someone and they're just like hey i'm either covering covid or i have covid or oh. someone in my house has covid so just give me some time and i'm i'll get back to you and i'm just like oh man man my heart goes out for to all of you and and i talk to tech journalists and they are going through this yikes yeah, yeah. see like that's the thing like we've seen that sort of like brotherhood within the yeah. you know, journalist yeah. community but around this time it was barely covered by the news media it was really mm. hush hush um also like the journalist that had received the 20 million rupees in back pay mm. that was an independent lawsuit it's not like they all came together to file a class action oh. lawsuit or something mm. or fight it out as a unit with inx media i don't know if those were the terms of their employment contract and they were limited i genuinely don't know but they mm. didn't do it also uh, it is really important to note mm. it was mm. reported sort of like mm. sparingly across multiple sources mm. that inx media was going through some 
heavy losses at this time. Hmm. This was substantiated in the company's annual returns from 2008 to 2009, hmm. which said that the company was in immense debt. And I know yeah. that is confusing because didn't they just get a bunch of money into the company? Hmm. Hmm. Yes. So we'll get more into that later. But for now, let's just assume that this is a huge contributing factor to a lot of the problems that the management already had. Hmm. Hmm. And once it became clear that the company was sort of fracturing because of loss of talent it was widely reported that indrani and peter may leave the company yeah but they didn't leave like right away uh instead mm. like i mentioned earlier in 2008 they announced a massive 5 billion rupee funding into the company yeah. and the media ate this up so mm-hmm. all of the news outlets just started talking about the investment instead of the employment claims and and everyone everything is just hunky dory everything seems all right That's right and the thing is they even told their employees that they were not going anywhere mm. uh, there's an outlook india article which states that indrani had sent a letter to all mm. of her employees at this time basically like to console them of sorts you know because there's mm. a lot like there is like a lot of like chatter that was mm. happening in mm. in the company um and she basically said and i quote this it is not in our blood to betray the trust of our employees This was in early March 2009 when this letter mm. went out. And then on 10th March 2009 both Indrani and Peter resigned from the company. Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. Te- But truly, mm. this is just the beginning of the story. Yes, part 2. Do you see that? Yes. Yes, correct. Dos, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, yes. Also, this this has already been running for a while. Yeah, we will come back next week with more stuff. There is a lot more to cover. Yes, so we're going to do yes. this in two parts. Uh, so there's no song at the end of this episode because the song mm-hmm. would literally give away the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, please do wait patiently. Don't go Google or this over the next week, and because then you'll ruin it for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Trust me, we have. a lot of cool things ahead so it's worth the wait yes yes wait. yes what nisha said of course you know where to find us on instagram i am uh, at ragi.dose and nisha i am at just.nishful.thinking our insta handles are in the episode description and of course you can visit our blog for our sources uh, the link for which is also in the description and we will see you on the next episode of misconduct see you guys mm-hmm.